0: welcome to the gavel podcast uh, my name is Adam and I'm here with uh, drew and Christopher uh, hello guys hey hey how's it going hey <laughs> um, it's great uh, it's good to be here with with both of you um, you know last month uh, I, I was by my lonesome um, and now I have uh, now I have three uh, I, have, I have two whole friends uh, with me today and that's very exciting for me yeah um, let, let's talk about it let's let's talk about this I, I want to talk about where we're at where are we at where are we at oh wow <laughs> um
1: so as uh many listeners uh hopefully many listeners if you pay attention to the facebook pages and instagram pages mm-hmm. uh no i uh drew Logston here uh departed the staff team uh at the end of july uh after service director communications um that followed. Uh, that was the culmination, I should say, of ten years of service to the fraternity on the headquarters staff. Um, in that time, uh, it was my first job out of college um, as a leadership consultant, and did some did some time as director, such director of risk reduction, and then uh, time as director of communications. So I've had a have a had a, um, a very privileged and significant opportunity to. Uh, impact the fraternity's communications and messaging and a lot of things we do like the gavel uh newsletter the uh the gavel podcast we're talking on right now
2: um
1: and uh you know uh, a mentor of mine on staff nick murphy which some may know some may not know um our our cfo uh said a great phrase uh, uh during this transition time that um at some point we all hang up our spurs uh, which mm-hmm. I thought was a very apropos apropos phrase um, that um, while we would love to stay uh, where we're at, um, you need to do new things to grow. And I think that's kind of what a lot of our interviews in the Gavel podcast have talked about that um, to continue to grow, you got to continue to be willing to put yourself uh, into new places, new things. Um, and so an opportunity came up for me to, depart uh, the staff team and, and transition over uh, to another great organization, uh, OmegaFi, which many listeners probably also recognize, hopefully, uh, that, that this name recognition there. Uh, but for those that don't know, Phi is an um, online uh, software financial management company, essentially. Uh, they offer different product solutions uh, for chapters to do billings, collections, pay their bills. Uh, they do a lot more than that. Uh, you know, Communications, recruitment tools. I mean, they have a they have a broad spectrum of tools and solutions for chapters uh, with their fraternity or sorority to utilize today. Um, interesting, fun, Sigma Nu fact. Um, Omega Phi was founded by a treasurer, a fraternity treasurer at the university or Auburn University. And Sigma Nu, our beta-theta chapter, was Omega Phi's very first client hmm. of Omega Phi. Um,
0: a long and storied history.
1: It is. It is a long and story history. So, uh, I joined Omega Phi in the early August. Uh, by the time y'all listen, to this will be several weeks since then, uh, maybe a month or two, month and a half or so since then. But I joined Omega Phi in early August as their director of communications. And, um, I'm excited for the new opportunity, uh, excited to, to still be in the world, right? The mm-hmm. fraternity world that, that I know very well and I love very much. Um, and so, just have an opportunity to to still be there, but do something a little different. You know, stretch my wings a little bit. Um, you know, and, and as I've said to everybody who's who's reached out to me, and and there's been multitudes. Um, you know, my my departure from the headquarters staff team, a it's not a goodbye. Um, Brad Beach, our exec director, is is frequently uh, found to say that we are a staff family and i think that is absolutely true like that's 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 100% true some of my closest friends and mentors i found through my interactions with the sigma new staff um and i'll cherish and and hold and and continue to foster those relationships for years on end but um you know it's not goodbye right i i don't think very few staff members fully leave the experience um or or can ever say that the experience didn't impact them in a positive and transformational way just like your collegiate experience did and the second thing is that um, my transition and departure was uh, by no means result of anything negative um, mm-hmm. not that anyone insinuated that for that matter um, but you know it's just a, it's just a growth opportunity right um, and like Nick said you know we all we all eventually come to the end of the cattle range and find a new pasture and we hang our spurs up, and we take on that new pasture, and we we take on new adventures and new challenges on the horizon. So um, I'm excited for it. I'll tell you what I'm way more excited for is to see what my successor does, who's joining us today, Christopher Britton, who's our new Director of Communications. uh, I should say my new Director of Communications uh, for the fraternity. And I'm just really excited and thrilled to see where Chris takes it. I'm excited to see where Adam and you, Chris together take this podcast experience. Mm -hmm. Um, this podcast as Adam, you know, has been a labor of love for us for for over a year now. And uh, we have put a lot of, uh, put a lot of sweat equity into it and a lot of, a lot of passion into it. And I think that shows in the content we managed to produce, um, and so I'm just excited, and this is a really cool opportunity for us to transition, to hand the baton over, uh, to say, uh, Drew is departing, uh, and so you guys won't hear me, unless I'm interviewed at some point, which, by the way, guys, my schedule is wide open, um, <laughs> if you choose to interview me. Uh, but yeah, you'll no longer hear my friendly voice uh, on the Gavel podcast, you'll hear a new voice, and and I think it's going to be an exciting time for uh, for communications, for Sigma Nu, and for the podcast.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, hopefully they find my voice friendly. Uh, we'll see. Um, but thanks, Drew. I appreciate that. It's a an exciting opportunity just seeing what you and Adam were able to build. I think this podcast is really exciting, just in its opportunity for us to interview interesting alumni from our organization to get to know what they're doing, how the fraternity has impacted their lives, to also interview collegiate members to understand their experience, what it's like on the ground in the trenches. Uh, we're all fairly young, but there's still the expectation that generations will change, uh, or generations of students will change, excuse me. Uh, the experience that they're having will be altered slightly by that reality. Um, but hopefully, you know, we can glean from them like what the fraternity can do to provide a better experience that is continuously improving. Uh, So I'm excited just to be in this space just because we get to have such interesting conversations with our collegiate and alumni members, Uh, and so it's a really exciting opportunity. Uh, But Drew, we're just really glad that you were able to join us. I uh, felt a little awkward kind of coming into this uh, podcasting uh, space, you know, and just kind of uh wearing kind of this you know uh clothing that wasn't my own and so mm-hmm. i told uh, told adam I was like we've got to have you back for at least one more uh kind of transitional podcast just so that way the listeners aren't so jarringly uh introduced <laughs> to me uh, mm-hmm. so it's really good to kind of have you on here uh
1: yeah. Um, yeah glad because and and listeners this is this is your friend your brother drew Logson speaking to you i
0: fully endorse christopher britton coming onto
1: the podcast as a new co-host <laughs> Excellent. Well, just just
0: wait till you see what we have in, in store for everyone, and we'll we'll see if we can test that endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect.
3: <laughs> yeah. If we see our our subscriber numbers, they quickly plummet. We'll know uh, we made a mistake. Hopefully, that's not going to be the case, though. <laughs> um, but I will say just a quick introduction uh, for those of you who uh, do not know me. So, uh, as they already mentioned, my name is Christopher Brenton. Uh, I'm an initiate of our Beta Tau chapter from North Carolina State. This is my tenth year on staff. In in the middle of our, my tenth year, um, I joined in 2012 shortly after graduating from college uh, as a leadership consultant. As all of our staff uh, have had the experience of of doing prior to kind of taking on their associate director director level roles, uh, and for the vast majority of that time, I served as our associate director of leadership development and then director of chapter services working primarily under our director of Leadership development Scott Smith. Most of my job responsibilities were assisting our leadership consultants, uh, ensuring that our chapters had good officer resources so they could do good work. But I will say an exciting opportunity to be involved with all of this work is that it actually aligns with my undergraduate career. So when I was in a what when, when I was an undergraduate student at North Carolina State University, I Started out as a graphic design major, then kind of had the, uh, <laughs> the the excitement of jumping around, trying to figure out what it is that I actually wanted to do as a collegiate. Um, I was in school during the financial crisis of 2008, and so saw a lot of my peers as well as uh, family members who were in more of creative um, careers lose their jobs. And so when I was starting out in graphic design, I was like, I don't know if this is necessarily um, a viable option for me. And so I switched over to business administration, ultimately graduated with a concentration in marketing, and then um, was able to maintain my minor in design studies. So this is a space that I feel really at home in. Uh, I'm excited to stretch those muscles, although they have uh, severely atrophied over the last couple of years, just as uh I've really had. Fewer opportunities to uh, kind of express my creative muscles, um, but I am excited to get back into the role and Drew has really done such a a great job of expanding the opportunities that we have to provide content for our members. uh, And so I'm really happy to just be able to pick up and run with what he's created, uh, but then also hopefully I can bring some more creative ideas of my own. So uh, that's a little bit about me. I know, we have some other things that we need to get to on this <laughs> podcast, but wanted just to do that quick introduction for those of you who are just learning uh, who I am for the first time and hopefully will not be turned off or turned away uh, now that I will be working with Adam on leading this podcast forward. I, I do want to note two things before we get
1: into to kind of relevant updates here, Adam, uh, if I have your permission as an outgoing co-host.
0: um Please, as as uh, as the transitional uh, host of this podcast, I grant you permission. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you brother. Um, the chair.
1: Uh, I will say one thing that out of Chris what just Chris shared that I, I find so fascinating and amazing and, and a large part of why I'm super excited. Chris is the I, I think I'm I think I'm correct in saying this. The only person, in the staff team with a like Chris said, an undergraduate background in marketing like in marketing and creative design. Um, uh, I graduated with a political science major, Adam, you graduated with a major in iron ore mining, I think. at Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes. Bison correct. technology. But Bison technology with the, with yeah. the a, a sound. Yes. <laughs> um, and that's awesome. Like, like, you know, round peg
1: round hole. Like that's, that's super cool. And, uh, I, I, I was remiss to not mention this in my previous statements, but, um, the big thing that when I stepped away, uh, what have I done? Like what What, what was the big, what was my, my big, hairy, audacious goal? What what got achieved? And um, I'm sure many will laugh at this, but it was reintroducing high rickety into common Sigma Nu usage, um, which everyone says, what's high rickety? I don't understand that. You got to go visit Lexington, go visit HQ, visit the museum, and you'll see a sheet of paper. And in our past grand chapter transcripts, our official yell. Hi, rickety, whoop de doo What's the matter with Sigma New? Hullabaloo, baloo, Kahoo All together for Sigma New. And uh, so reintroducing "Hi, rickety," and hearing people say it at Grand Chapter and and put it on, you know, comments and everything like that's a check mark to me. The gavel, the podcast, the magazine. Uh, that that those are wins, but "Hi, rickety," that's the win. That's the victory.
3: <laughs> well, I will yeah. say, Drew, uh, for those poor tortured souls who sat through the virtual grand chapter experience and heard all of our Sigma new songs on repeat. I assure that uh, high rickety has been engraved into their minds uh, for, you know, uh, the rest of time. Mm. So uh, whether it- we had it in print or we had it in musical form uh high rickety i think is here to stay so uh that, that is definitely a legacy uh that we're excited that you're leaving behind uh
0: and and with that we'd like to uh,
3: announce uh you know something we've really been waiting
0: for here that we are rebranding the podcast as the high rickety podcast um and, and that's that's going to be the new name uh, make sure you resubscribe in the, in the feed uh high rickety podcast is, is, is that for real? the name no no oh. what now? no <laughs>
3: I was getting a little bit nervous myself, Drew. <laughs> I was like, Wait, we did not talk about this in the pre-show.
0: Nope. Once it's recorded, then it's then it's official, and then once it goes out there, that is now canon in the larger uh, the the Gavel podcast extended universe. So, um, well. Uh, uh, Thank you guys for reintroducing yourselves. Christopher, it's great to have you uh, on the podcast uh, and, and you know, moving forward here. Uh, Drew, uh, we will absolutely uh, be, be having you on um, in the future. Um, your guest host, guest uh, uh, guest contributor um, from the field, uh, the special report from Drew Logston. Um <clears throat> But uh, today we are uh, let's kind of dive into um, you know, the meat of, of what we've got going on today. Um, you know, we've got a really great interview that Drew and I did with uh, Brother Jacob Rudolph um to discuss honor uh the concept of honor uh you know amongst a group of peers um you know group of young men or a group of uh your fraternity brothers or uh, a group of um police officers that work together um and and, you know i really really enjoyed that interview um a couple of a couple of news items that we wanted to go through um christopher i believe you've got a couple of news items for us
3: yeah. So just two things I wanted to touch on that are relevant to specifically when this podcast will be coming out, maybe less relevant if you're a listener who's just joining at a later date. But uh, these so, are things. Welcome. yeah, if so welcome. Uh, but these are two things that happen annually. So we're at least um, confident that if you're not joining us right now or when the, the podcast is immediately coming out, you're joining us at a later date, that this will be relevant for subsequent years. Uh, The first is uh, the National Hazing Prevention Week, and that's coming up here in two weeks. Uh, It'll be taking place uh, the week of September 20th. And so... um, for those of you who are obviously familiar with the fraternity, you know that we are an organization that was founded—the one of the the only organization, I believe—Drew uh, can correct me if I'm wrong—the only organization that was founded explicitly against hazing. Um, so that it being essential and core to our uh, historical founding at VMI, um, we have that in our DNA as something that is, is essential and important to all of our members, and so. Uh, it, National Hazing Prevention Week really has a soft spot in our hearts of something that we want to contribute to. We want to encourage our brothers, uh, whether they be collegiate or alumni, to participate in. And we are going to have a week's long worth of content uh, coming out over our various social media channels, on our website. Um, you're going to see lots of featured articles from uh, brothers. Uh, both young and old kind of talking about their experiences why hazing uh, has no place in our organization how we can create a better fraternity experience without it uh drew I actually uh this is on a plug for you uh, you're gonna be one of our featured guest writers for that week so we're excited to be able to bring you back um you know in uh, in more ways than just here on the podcast uh, exactly. so that's gonna
1: to badly quote Al Pacino
3: from the Godfather films, as
1: soon as I get out,
3: they pull me back in. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't let our talent uh, to leave um, without extracting as much as we can from it. So uh, we're <laughs> excited to have you on uh, for our National Hazing Prevention Week. Uh, but we'll also have some additional tie-ins that are going to be happening across the industry uh, that we'll want people to to join for and to be a part of those conversations. So be on the lookout for that. And then the second is going to be... um what is it really important to our staff team, uh, which is the process of getting new applicants to apply to our leadership consultant program. Uh, every chapter has the experience of interacting with a leadership consultant. Uh, most often he's going to be working with your chapter's officers, uh, but, you know, there's a, a strong likelihood that you've also been able to engage with a leadership consultant at a chapter meeting, or, you know, maybe that uh, leadership consultant had the chance to facilitate a lead session. Uh, regardless, uh, All of our current staff men, except for just a few, um, have had the leadership consultant experience. We speak uh, really fondly of it, but we also have just an army of men who have come through this experience who have reaped the benefits of that two years of being on the road of getting to work with our chapters, and then have taken that professional development into their own careers outside of working for the fraternity, who can speak really strongly about that experience. But right right now, we are trying to attract high-quality candidates to apply for the Leadership Consultant Program. Regardless of when you're listening to this interview, applications are always going to be due on October 15th of every year. Uh, we go through a short interview process, and hope hope to make our selections uh, prior to the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, But if you're listening outside of that window, we accept applications on a rolling basis and are always interested, of course, in recruiting high quality staff uh, and applicants to apply. So if you yourself or someone, you know, um, is interested in the Leadership Consultant Program, uh, I often plug this, especially for individuals who are interested in going into a postgraduate degree track. I think this is a really great bridge between your undergraduate experience and your next degree. So that way you have a little bit of professional development in between. Um, I strongly encourage you to apply. Questions as well as applications can be directed to Scott Smith. Um, our Director of Leadership Development. You can reach him at scott.smith at sigmanu.org. Um And you can also look up all of the information as well as the employment application and other materials about the experience at sigmanew.org slash employment. Um, but strongly encourage that uh, and I hope that you will consider it.
0: Strong plugs. Love that. that, that you sound great. You sound great doing doing plugs. That was, that was wonderful.
3: That was uh, that was my uh, my job for the last uh <laughs> the last six years at least so I've already had the uh, the pitch uh in mind but now I'm just getting to put it in audio form yeah
0: love it new mediums new mediums abound um excellent so I th- I think that's it uh, let's uh l- let's dive into the interview yeah let's dive into the interview let's go. Sorry, my my teleprompter had the wrong punctuation uh, <laughs> at, at the end of it there. Uh, let's dive into the interview, guys. We'll see you on the back end. Brothers in Sigma Nu United.
2: Brothers who by the sword were knighted. Blessed by a star shining afar. Rocked in the
0: cradle of old Virginia. Hello, everyone. Uh We've got... Brother Jacob Rudolph here. Uh, Jacob, welcome to the Gavel Podcast. Welcome, Jacob. Hi. So, um, so we're going to be talking today about uh, about honor. Um, and, and really, before we dive in uh, to you know, the interview uh, itself, you uh, we're very excited to have Brother Rudolph here. Um, I did just want to kind of talk about uh, the concept of honor and and how we'll be discussing it today. Um, so we're talking about honor, you know, obviously one of the values of Sigma Nu, but um, honor specifically in and how it unites a a brotherhood or a close knit group of peers. Um, so you just, today we'll be kind of talking about uh, that in the context of fraternity chapter as well as uh, you know a law enforcement agency or really any other close knit um, group of of peers. So um, to really get started, um, Jacob, I, I'd love to hear about um, you know your Sigma Nu experience. If you could just briefly tell us about um, you know your time at Sigma Nu and, and uh, you know, what it meant to you in regards to the concept of honor.
2: Sure. Well, Adam and Drew, uh, thank you for having me on the Gavel podcast. Uh, love listening to the last few episodes, and coming off a grand chapter here, it's uh, great to be on the podcast. Um, I joined Sigma Nu in the summer of 2003 at the Gamma Tau Chapter at the University of Minnesota. Um, I grew up in uh, Shakopee, Minnesota which is about 30 minutes southwest of Minneapolis um, where the Gamma Tower Chapter is located. I graduated the University of Minnesota with a degree in sociology of law, criminology, and deviance. I always knew I wanted to pursue a career in law enforcement um i like i said i signed in the summer of 2003 i was recruited by uh brother pete setter um through the chapters uh, arthur barlow scholarship uh brother barlow uh, was a past regent of sigma new uh, from the gameta chapter he uh, grew up in the north dakota area and was a state senator i believe out of north dakota and a prominent business person from the state of north dakota and i believe he is a member of the hall of honor of uh, sigma new as well um during my time at the chapter um i was uh my candidate class's honor initiate uh was re- the recorder as a freshman as a, as a re- freshman i'm sorry as a uh, recruitment chairman was the lieutenant commander and the eminent commander as well um, also served on our ifc uh, as a vp of risk management um, I was part of one of the first Sigma Nu Institutes held out at uh, the Rock headquarters and cool. attended college chapters in 2005, Grand chapter in 2006, where Gamatel won our first of nine consecutive Rock awards so far. And I'm also an Alpha affiliate, number 536.
0: So, wow. So, you, you've kind of it's had impressive the experience. Yeah, yeah you've, you've <laughs> yeah. had the whole experience, huh?
2: Yeah, so uh, after graduating, I started a career in law enforcement where I've been for about the last 13 and a half years. So I work awesome. for a small city about 45 minutes southwest of
0: Minneapolis. Cool. Okay. Cool. Yeah, so so you, um, so you were able to you know, visit headquarters, you've been able to go to the grand chapter, um, you know, all, all of that whole whole experience, I suppose. Yes, cool. Um, so I actually, I'm glad you mentioned, it. I did want to, um, you know, ask about, uh, you know, specifically kind of the, the rock chapter aspect of, of Gamata, um, you know, and, and having worked with, with Gamata myself, you know, I know, uh, this is a very successful chapter, and uh, you have seen the, the, the culture of the chapter. So I know, you know, I know this to be true about the chapter. Um, but uh, in, in your experience, you know, how has the concept of honor um, influenced Gamata specifically?
2: Well, Tau kind of went through a transition phase in the early 90s. Um, Our charter was pulled for a variety of reasons. Um, Some folks got into some um, malfeasance uh, around that time. Mm -hmm. And our charter was pulled and then we were rechartered, you know, in the early mid 90s. And um, when I joined in 2003... Uh, Our chapter size was right around a dozen or 15 members or so. And it was with my pledge class of about, I think we were right around 10 or 12 members. I forget uh, exactly how many. Um, There was a conscious effort to start recruiting um, members who were going to make a significant contribution to the chapter and propel it towards the idea of excelling with honor and really um putting forth the ideals of living out what is expressed through lead phase one and two Mm -hmm. and um moving the chapter forward so the next two years we really worked hard at uh, building up the chapter through recruitment and retention and really being picky about who it was we were going to recruit and finding leaders as, in terms of who it was we were recruiting, whether it was people who were going to be participating in ROTC or who already um, signed up with military experience or had experience in scouting or athletics or other community service avenues.
0: Okay. So I'm struck by, by that then, you know, the, um, the what all of those groups kind of have in common is that, that your peer um, mentality, right? Like they are, you you are a group um, dedicated towards a certain purpose, whether it's your ROTC or scouts or anything like that. Um, you, know, you you are um, a group of peers dedicated towards one purpose, holding each other accountable towards advancing towards that purpose, right? Um, and and I mean, do you feel that by recruiting those types of guys, like that's what led Gamma Todd to be successful?
2: I do. I feel like... It, it, With a strong recruiting base, it was made it much more easy to hold people accountable when it came to chapter functions. um, You know, whether it was getting people to participate in other campus activities or, you know, clean the chapter house bathroom. I mean, it just made things a lot easier to hold people accountable, make sure they're doing what they need to do get their grades in and just uh, be one-on-one accountable for what needs to happen to make a chapter run successfully, pay their bills, um, all those sorts of things that Mm -hmm. come with making a fraternity
0: successful. From from bottom to top there. Yeah, Yeah.
1: absolutely. So, you know, we talked a little bit about your, your collegiate experience, your Sigma nu experience, Jacob. Um, I'm really interested in talking a little bit more about um, your professional experience in law enforcement. And I think there are some really unique parallels between law enforcement and fraternities, right? Um, you know, both both entities have a, um, you know, Sigma Nu especially have a pretty, pretty clear-cut kind of, you know um, – honor code, if you will, right? Or, or mission, in fact, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Sigma Nu, we we develop ethical leaders, right? We're excelling with honor. Honor is a, is a foundational principle of, of our fraternity. You know, law enforcement, protect and serve, right? We have these foundational pieces. And I'm interested in hearing, you know, kind of your perspective. In what way does honor play a role in, in your professional work, Jacob?
2: Well, honor in law enforcement is really synonymous with um, – the idea of integrity um and in all the interview panels i've sat in on or have been a part of that's one theme that really is consistent across the board there and i've seen people lose their jobs in law enforcement because they lacked integrity Mm -hmm. um they do something and the it often is the, the cover-up is worse than the crime is sort of, so to say. And, you know, if you lie about something, especially as a police officer, you can't be trusted moving forward. Um, yeah. Especially when you have to testify about facts and circumstances in court. Um, and especially today in an age where the public expects things to be captured on body cameras or mm-hmm. surveillance cameras or squad cameras or what have you, um, you still have to be able to testify to certain facts and circumstances that aren't necessarily covered on video. And you have to be able to be believed and be truthful about those facts and circumstances. And if you're found not to be truthful, and if something's not covered on video, well, you have no more integrity about mm-hmm. what it is you're testifying to. And that comes down to everything from. You know, maybe a search warrant application or um, your report writing or just anything else to do with your job. And so if you don't have that integrity, um, you don't have any honor within uh, your ability to do your job either. And if, if you lack those two things, well, then you can no longer do your job. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it just makes it much more difficult.
0: It's it's almost like, yeah, like like honor is is a it you know, almost a, a resource to be gained and gained and lost, like, right, like, like cultivated over, over your time with the the group, with the organization. And, you know, if it is lost, it's something that's, that's hard to rebuild, right? Now, obviously with different set of stakes, um, you know, yeah. in, the, in the different organizations, but. But there are, I mean, that's a great point you make
1: as well, Jacob. I mean, there are those unique parallels, um, you know, and we tell, we tell collegiate Sigma Nu Men this all the time that, yeah, you don't you may not wear letters every day, but you never really take them off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I feel like a lot of sigma new men, a lot of fraternity men in general get really disgruntled. I wouldn't say disgruntled, frustrated. Let's say frustrated. Mm-hmm. Uh why are we held to such a different standard than everybody else? And um you know, it's just, it's because you're visible, right? You're mm-hmm. highly scrutinized, uh, because you've you've put this ethos, this mission out there publicly. And and it's a good thing you've said hold us to a higher standard right hold us to the highest standard if you will um, and so I think that that's difficult for for men to rise to I mean what would your advice be to them Jacob because I feel like that's that's law enforcement gets that same kind of experience of you are so highly visible um, and because of that highly scrutinized you know what would your advice be to a Sigma Nu guy on a campus who's frustrated of you know well you know, these these people down the street, they do this and they don't get in trouble, but we can't you know, we can't sneeze in the wrong direction. We get in trouble. Like, what would your advice to those, those folks be?
2: Well, it's almost like the Walt Disney standard where, you know, it's nobody should be ashamed to pick up the the trash that's on the floor. Nobody should be ashamed to clean up their yard. You know, mm-hmm. if if your chapter's yard is is the one without the solo cups and the bottles of beer in the in the yard, maybe you're not going to be the one whose camera is going to get flashed across the news when they have to do the story about the college of binge drinking. Maybe it'll be the chapter across the street. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. you know, just those little things. So, take the time, clean up your yard, um, especially, you know, at the University of Minnesota. There are two dozen chapter houses that line uh, University Avenue, just c- directly across the street from campus property, mm-hmm. and you know it's it's a highly visible area um, leading down to the stadiums, football, hockey, basketball arenas, um, and that's where all the traffic goes on game day. And mm-hmm. whether kids are out partying uh, before games, tailgating, doing whatever. Or if it's just a regular Wednesday afternoon and people are hanging out, I mean it's a highly visible area, and professors and school administrators get to know who who chapter leaders are, and um, it's it's amazing how public fraternities are even in smaller communities. Even though the University of Minnesota is a rather large university, we're still in the bottom third or bottom quarter of Greek population across the Big Ten campuses Mm -hmm. and um, you know the school administrators still are aware of who the leaders in the Greek community are and uh, you know you don't want to be that chapter who's um, flashed across the news because of a binge drinking incident or you know an overdose or a -hmm. hazing incident because you just end up being in somebody's b-roll footage uh, mm-hmm. because because that happens so yeah
0: yeah, yeah it is um you know, I, I think you, one thing i I've, I've always told you know, my my uh you know, members that i that i work with and officers and everyone is um you know for for a majority of people you know the the dis, uh, the distinction between you know sigma Nu and sigma chi is non-existent right like it it is just greek or it's just you know fraternity so um you know they're they're not even necessarily going to make the distinction if they see it on the news that that is just um you know generic fraternity right so we owe it to you know not just ourselves but you know to the um you just the institution of fraternity uh, nationwide to um you know take care of our own reputation so that we can take care of, of our, our collective reputation. Right. So like we keep our yard clean because we expect the other chapters to keep their yard clean. And, um, you know, we, we take that step up onto that pedestal and say, Hey, you know, we are, um, holding ourselves to a higher standard, but then we also have, we can't just step down off the pedestal when, when it's convenient for you, um, and step up when it's, uh, when it's time to, to be praised for it. Right. Um, so, and, and you know, I, I again, I do think the, there is that that parallel then uh, to you know, law enforcement, right? Like we um, protect and serve the the community, and um, you can't just because you're not in uniform doesn't mean that somebody's not going to recognize you and and um, you hold you to that that same standard.
1: And it's good too, right? I mean, you,
0: you, yeah, a you good don't thing. join
1: you don't join Sigma Nu. You, you shouldn't join a fraternity because you want to be mediocre. Like if you've joined a fraternity because you just want to be the lowest common denominator, that's 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 a you problem, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's a look in the mirror. The problem is actually in the mirror, um, <laughs> right, and right. and that's the issue. Like, that's why I think certain organizations attract certain people, right? Like I, men men are attracted to Sigma Nu for the most part. Because they want to be held to a higher standard. Like I want I want the guy next to me to say – to be the guy who's checking me, right? Who, who's encouraging me, who's going to hold me accountable, you know, to to do better. Because, you know, I, it feels like so often, you know, you think you're only capable of 80%. But the guy who knows you're capable of 100% is the guy outside, you know, the guy next to you looking at you. So –
2: Well, well, Adam, you you bring up a good point. I mean, just as people don't see the difference between Sigma Nu and Sigma Chi, people don't see the difference between me wearing a police uniform and the Minneapolis Police Department. Mm -hmm. And though the death of George Floyd has been very tragic and has had a very significant impact across the greater Minneapolis area, Mm -hmm. the style of policing that that we do in the community where I work is vastly different than the style of policing that occurs in Minneapolis. And Mm -hmm. don't mistake me, I'm not necessarily uh, trying to bring the Minneapolis Police Department on or down, I'm I'm sorry. Um, They have just a very different particular set of challenges in the city of Minneapolis than what I face. Mm -hmm. And uh, but people lump all tend to lump all cops in the same group because all they see is the uniform. Mm -hmm. And Mm. I have been accused of policing in a racially motivated way. Um, just because I pull somebody over, I've had people accuse me of pulling them over because of fill in the blank. Um, and you know, 90% of the time I'm going to let you off with a warning just because I want to say, hey, you know, your taillights busted or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's, it's you like, like you alluded to, if you get lumped all into the same group, um, what are you doing to distinguish yourself as being better than
1: yeah. the
2: group mentality? Um, mm-hmm. how, how are you going to rise above that? How are you going to set yourself apart from from the how are you going to be better um so it's it's very difficult especially when you're in groups that are under a particular microscope yeah. in, in this moment in time uh you know I think we have two two groups fraternities and law enforcement that are under a very particular microscope so
0: well, yeah and and that's what I, what I've told my guys is you, you got to prove it right like you know if if you if you want to say that you are um, you know, a, a fraternity of of upstanding men, of honorable men, then you know you need to prove that, and you need to do it in, in a way that, um, you know, c- can show people that that you you mean what you say, and you're doing what you say you're going to do.
1: Yeah, you you referenced it there, Jacob, of um, George Floyd's uh, a passing and 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 um. Murder, I guess now, uh, as, as legally yeah, adjudicated murder, yeah. Um, what has this year been like for, for you in law enforcement? Uh, and and I think you've got a really unique perspective because, like you said, you're so close to the epicenter of, of, of what has been probably a really mm-hmm. unique year for, yeah. for your field.
2: It, yeah, it's been difficult. Um, so my wife is a Minneapolis teacher. She's a AGD um, from the University of Minnesota as well. We didn't meet while we were in, in college. Um, we met a couple of years after. Um, but we have uh, had a lot of friends in common while we were in school. Um, anyway, she's a Minneapolis teacher. And uh, so first we had a pivot because of COVID. Uh, she went from being an uh, elementary teacher um, in front of her class to having to go... Uh, online distance learning, uh, within a matter of a few days. Um, so that was, uh, very challenging, um, not only for her, but for me too, because of, uh, the unknown fastness that, that the pandemic brought for so many people. Um, you know, a lot of people were able to make the change and, and work from home or in socially distance, but that wasn't the case for me. I still had to go in and interact with people and go into people's mm-hmm. homes and, and so forth. And so there was always a risk of me bringing something home. And mm-hmm. uh, we have a now four-year-old who just turned four in April. Um, so that was um, a, a big risk for us. And then um, George Floyd happened. And the area where uh, my wife teaches is within the third precinct of Minneapolis where um, that incident took place and all the vast majority of the protests um, were literally in the front doors, uh, driveways and front porches of where um, all those protests were taking place for her students. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of negativity um, going on for her kids because of that since that caused a lot of stress on her side um, as well. So there were a lot of challenges with that. And um, in particular on my side too, though, you know, 45 minutes or so removed from Minneapolis where I work, um, work along uh, three major highways. And so when all these protesters and people were coming in from out of state or even within the state going up to Minneapolis, We're still meeting a lot of challenges in dealing with people who are just becoming a lot more difficult to deal with um, in our daily interactions with them. So I recall one of the big days that the protests took place. I had never seen so many out of state people coming through my city that I had seen that day and people open carrying guns and Mm. doing all sorts of things and. Um, received intelligence that kids, kids in 19, 20 years, years old, um, from a couple cities to the south of us, were part of um, burning down pharmacies and taking pharmaceuticals. And and I mean these these are country bumpkin kids mm, going yeah. up to Minneapolis and and you know committing arson and burning down pharmacies and doing all this stuff rioting. In Minneapolis, and so, I mean, it was kind of a rude awakening for some of the folks that are part of, you know, the, the outskirts of the city. But at the same time, it really hit home that that crime is transient. It's not localized to the inner city. That it 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 moves, and people are are always moving around, and you know, we're you're not necessarily safe because you live in an outer ring suburb or that sort of thing it's that you know people are always moving around and so crime patterns certainly have changed a lot in the last year and a half two years
0: okay well i'm uh, uh, glad to see you um, made it through the, the the last year safely you know i know that that can definitely be a, a scary time um to be uh, out and around um, and lo- like you said, to be, um, you know, to to go out, you're wearing a uniform, wearing a badge, right? Like that, um, that makes you a very visible person, right? Like, the, and and uh, and you know, somebody who who doesn't know you, um, but just sees, you know, that that blanket, that uh, the other badge, the uniform, um, you might make a, a snap judgment about about who you are. Uh, you know, in that in that situation, that's uh, that's a difficult thing to deal with. Uh, I, I mean, how how does that feel to be um, to be in that position? Um,
2: it's it's pretty challenging, um, especially mental health wise. Um, you know, uh, it, it definitely wears on you. Mm-hmm. It, um, I you know, I'll, I'll just share one incident that that uh, was particularly troublesome, um, you know, the epidemic of, of drug use has definitely taken off uh, in the last three to five years. And if this story can help anybody um, who may be dealing with drug addiction, seek some help, I hope I hope uh, me relaying this will, will help somebody. But um, last spring, uh, my partner and I were called to a house in a very nice residential neighborhood uh, for a kid who was 20, 21 years old having a drug overdose uh, mm-hmm. right right when COVID started. Um, and we got there, you know, we had to put on our, all of our PPE, our masks, our goggles, everything. Got in there and uh, we were able to start CPR on him and give him Narcan and uh, reversed his overdose and he came back to life. And like I said, when we got there, he was totally gone. And um, we did CPR on him and gave him the Narcan. He came back, he was walking, talking to the paramedics. Um, At that point, we weren't able to force him to go to a hospital Mm. um, and he signed off uh, against going to the hospital, against medical advice. And uh, we found that he had ingested some narcotics laced with fentanyl, <laughs> which is several hundred times more potent than regular heroin. Um, and we took them and we, we thought we had gathered everything that he had. And uh, my partner that night had gone home at the end of his shift at three o'clock in the morning. I was working until 7 a.m. and uh, about or 30 or so got called back to the residence because that kid had overdosed again. um, It was unknown if he had ingested more narcotics or if the Narcan had just worn off. And uh, we did CPR again again on him, gave him more Narcan. Unfortunately, we weren't able to save him, so um, he ended up passing away. Um, And I had to give the death notification to his family um, cause it was actually a friend that was staying at that house at that time. And um, the most tragic thing about that is that that was the second person within that family that had died from a drug overdose. Wow. So, wow. So it's um, Th- really hard. If anybody out there is having addiction problems, um, please seek some help um, and uh, do. Addiction is a very difficult thing to deal with, um, but seek some help if you can, um, and uh, do what you need to do to overcome it.
0: Yeah, we, um, we we were able to interview Ross Zabo earlier this year about um, you know mental health and and you know how. I guess everybody's been affected this year and, and everybody's, you know, I think taken this year in a different way and ha- had it affect them in, in different ways. But, um, you know, that's, that, that's really hard to hear. And that's really, must've been really hard to, to deal with, especially going, going back to the, the same residents, right. The same person, mm-hmm. um, man. It's uh, I think just goes to show you, you I, I think everybody needs that, that person or that group of people that's going to, um, You'll be there to support them, and and uh, you know I think you know, something that's helped me is is to support others, right? To reach out and to to be that support person for someone else has, has helped me um, come to terms with the you know, things that I've struggled with in my life as well. Um, I appreciate you sharing that that story. Um, you know, as we uh, start to to um, get towards the end here. I did want to ask, uh, about, um, you know, one, one more specific parallel between, um, you know, fraternity groups and, uh, and law enforcement that, uh, that, that we were, uh, wanted to discuss, which is, uh, um, you talking about, uh, you know, a code of honor, right? Uh, you know, a, a fraternity chapter, a, a law enforcement, uh, you know, organization, um, you know, you have a, a, code of honor, you have a mission statement that, that you live up to, right? Um, and and you know, I wanted to talk about where that where the line between you know code of honor and and holding your brothers or your peers accountable um, you know crosses the line into you know a code of silence and, and maybe protecting um, one of your own when when they do something they shouldn't um, you know in face I guess a public outcry mm-hmm. or or anything else um, you know, wh- where does that line come in and and I guess how can a group avoid getting to that place.
2: Yeah. Um, So when you're in college, understandably, it's hard. I think it's more difficult to um, get, get beyond the fact that when you're dealing with close friends that you need to really hold people accountable. Especially if you're looking at a situation where, you know, your really good friend may owe the chapter, for for sake of argument, uh, five or ten thousand dollars in back back money owed to the chapter for rent or something like that. But he's your really good friend. Mm-hmm. What are, what are you going to do? Are you going to um, send in the paperwork to put a, a um, registration hold on his student account or are you just going to let it slide and not possibly let the chapter housing corporation make their mortgage payment because mm-hmm. of that missed payment um, what are you gonna do that's a difficult choice yeah um, but at the same time a fraternity is a is a business operation as well and mm-hmm. um, When it comes to things in law enforcement, um, like I I alluded to earlier, sometimes the cover-up is worse than the crime. Mm -hmm. So all of us understand that, you know, am I going to give another cop a speeding ticket? Probably not. You know, am I going to give my mom a speeding ticket? No. But at the same time, am I going to arrest you for DWI or for domestic assault? Yeah, that's going to happen um you know certain things i'm not going to i'm not going to breach my moral character for um i'm not going to risk my job my mortgage my family to save you because you did something dumb mm-hmm. um it's just not going to happen and like i allu- like i said earlier once you lose your honor and integrity it's gone, and you've lost it, and it's yeah. probably gone forever. So don't lose something when you're young. That's going to take you years and years and years to get back. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if uh, you are a chapter officer and you become embattled in a crisis, if it's an overdose or a death or an alcohol poisoning or some serious injury accident occurs, You need to either choose to cooperate with whoever's investigating that, whether it's the police or campus authorities or whoever, or just invoke your right to silence. And I'm totally in favor of that, too. That's your constitutional right. Do that. But do not under any circumstances ever, 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 ever lie to cover Mm -hmm. up what occurred.
1: Yeah, I think the the big takeaway I got from there, Jacob, and I'm, I'm glad you said it was, you know, the cover up is is worse than the truth and always will be right. Um, And I think, you know, we, we were chapter officers, um, you know, it's almost like, uh, you know, I think of it this way. If you were a business consultant and someone brought you in to consult a business and that business was lying to me, you know, like you said, Jacob, like, I can't trust you. I can't mm-hmm. trust that you're going to do the things you need to do to get better. I can't trust that you're going to turn this around. I can't trust that when you say, you know, you're going to do x y and z, you're actually going to do it. And so why even why even bother with work? But but if you go into a, a business and you're consulting them and they say, "Hey man, we are completely backwards on everything." <laughs> like, you know, like like we recognize our faults and we will own them and we will we will embrace the embarrassment and/or shame that comes with it, and and the comeuppance with it. Um, but but we need help. Like that's that's you can work with, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, and I'm sure, you know, Jacob, you probably see that in your your work with the community as well too, right? You know, there's there are people who want to own their problems, and and that you know that's totally different than people who don't want to own them and and delay things or what have you, because um, it never it never works out in the end either.
2: No, yeah. it doesn't.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and and it's it's building blocks too, right? It's um, you know, if you if say you know you're talking about a fairly significant thing, right? Like a a a member that owes you know multiple thousands of dollars to to the organization, you know, um, that was built you know, one one missed payment at a, at a time, right? So that you know, I almost like before you get to. You know, five or ten thousand dollars in, in debt with the with the organization. That, um, you know, the there was somebody, the treasurer let let him off with, oh, okay, well, you you can you can miss dues this time, and you can miss dues this time, and you can miss dues this time, and all of a sudden you're you're in this this deep hole, right? um you know the same the same might be true for for a law enforcement agency right like if you um allow someone to fudge paperwork on on something small and and it's like well no nobody's ever really going to find out That's not a big deal but then all of a sudden you know there's there's been you know built up a a pattern of well you know if i can get away with this i can get away with this um and you know that's that's where that that honor uh, co- code of honor comes in for an organization right and that's i've i've told my chapters this right like you need to um get it right the first time get it right every time and and you know um you you can slowly or you can very quickly slip into that that slippery slope right yeah exactly awesome um well brother rudolph um jacob i i really appreciate you coming on um yeah, it's man. been it's been great getting to talk to you um very insightful um into you know the uh um you know what what it's been like this last year for you and i really appreciate you um you know being vulnerable with us and and you sharing some of those stories those experiences that you've had um it's really valuable for us and and for our listeners so um, thank you for for coming on well i
2: appreciate it uh thanks for having me um you know you you talked about just briefly you know having uh folks talk to um you know my um Outlet isn't uh, just uh, law enforcement people, Um, you know, cops generally tend to migrate towards cops. I got two very good friends who are uh, still from the chapter, Mm -hmm. uh, Mark Peterson and Matt German, and they're coming over to my place this weekend. And we're going to grill up some good uh, steaks, some good Wagyu steaks. Nice. Nice. uh, Delicious. Have have a good time. So, um, yeah, I'm
0: looking forward to it. So. Well, good. It's it's cool to hear that uh, you know those bonds of brotherhood, um, yeah, lasting through. Absolutely. Exactly. And thank you
1: for your service,
0: Jacob. Uh, Appreciate in, it. In public service, yeah. Thank, yeah. thanks for doing what you do. Yeah, yeah. All
1: righty. Well, I think that wraps up here, Jacob. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to you again, hopefully soon.
2: Sounds great. Thank you.
0: All right. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our, our interview with uh, Brother Jacob Rudolph. Uh, I, I love that interview. I, I was um, it was a very interesting topic. I, I'm a huge fan of the the concept of of honor and how it drives um, you know group behavior um, and how you can um, you know, kind of socially engineer. I would always talk to chapters about how you can kind of uh, hack the code of your group by you know, setting up you know, what is incentivized, what is, uh, you know, what, what behavior is checked by, by the group. Right. Um, and, and that concept of honor and how it drives us, uh, always has been super interesting to me. So to discuss that with somebody who's, uh, who's, um, you've experienced a lot of it in a lot of different uh, places, um, was, was very interesting. And then just hearing his experience, um, during, you know, this, the last year and a half, two years, um, it was also very, very interesting for me. Um, thoughts. Yeah, no, I agreed. And, you know, I think,
1: I think I was most blown away by him sharing, you know, his experience as a law enforcement officer, as a mm-hmm. detective. I think, um, and especially as we talk about the, the concept of honor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how much it, in, in this world we have high trust positions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you dial 911 and you need help, that's a high trust position. And this mm-hmm. is apropos because we're recording this on September 9th, just a few days from the um, hard-to-believe 20th anniversary of the yeah. September 11th attacks, right? And when you when you call on those people, those are the people that you have a high trust in, that they're going to come to your rescue, that they're going mm-hmm. to run into trouble, run into the fray. And you know, the same thing with doctors and nurses, and, and there's, there's people out there. I mean it, it goes on to – the people who manage your money your cpas your your financial managers but these high trust positions really what we can return them as uh high honorable demand positions uh, mm-hmm. you, you demand a high sense of honor in these positions and i think as we as we talk in the interview a little bit sigma new and i've always said this isn't sigma new is not the singular solution to a lot of the problems in our nation or our society at large it is a big piece of that solution, though, because mm-hmm. we are fundamentally committed to developing ethical leaders and developing men with a high sense of honor, and we need more of that. We need more people who are willing to call strike strikes, call balls balls, You know, know, know what's wrong, what's right, and um, I think more importantly, we're in demand of people who not only choose the right over the wrong but are willing to address the person next to them when they choose the wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's that's significant. Um, and so uh, I'm not saying that they're not bad apples in every every barrel of fruit. But, um, you know, having people committed to honor is a big thing and it's something we need more of. And and I tell you this much. Um, and you guys know this. We all know this. We're young professionals. And many of our alumni listening know this. If you're a collegiate student listening to this, the best thing that you can do for your long-term career success, your family success, your personal success is to have a high sense of honor and be committed to that. Because you know, you you do something dishonorable and it's it's like taking 15 steps back, right? Mm-hmm. You, you've eroded that trust. And so how do you rebuild that? But um yeah, I thought it was great.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, obviously didn't get to the chance to be a part of that interview, but, you know, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, I think it's really exciting that we get the opportunity to engage with alumni and collegiate members to get them to talk about our values. You know, as a staff member, we do that all day and, you know, sometimes uh, maybe to the complaints <laughs> of those that we interact with. But I think it's really cool when we get to hear from alumni who can uh, connect that thread from what they with the values that they developed and they really um, centered on as a collegiate member and how that has impacted their, their career post post-college. So it's really exciting to hear yeah. from Jacob and to, to be able to share his message and kind of his, his experiences uh, with our, our listeners.
1: Yeah. The benefit of the Sigma experience, right? There's, there's, I don't know of any, and I'm sure there are, but there's probably very few college courses out there on honor. Right. Mm. Um, at least one that, that, that really
0: uh, focus on it for four years at least so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah we're, we, we might not be the you know the only solution but you know i, I look at it as uh you know, our um you know the work that that we do and the work that you know the the sigma news that have come before us have done um have helped to build and, and maintain a network of of you know um young men and then you know alumni who who are um you know dedicated to the these these central you know values that we that we hold right and, and by expanding that network and that that influence and by living you know those those values i think that's you know, one way that we can affect a, a lot of people so um you know i think that's a definitely a positive effect um you know organizations like ourselves can have um on on the the greater scheme of things so yeah um well uh wonderful interview um, one of many uh, of, of many past and of many many to come um, so th- thank you guys thanks for thanks for being here with me and uh, recording some bumpers uh, to, hanging out uh, talking about about uh, our our wonderful wonderful fraternity yeah yeah absolutely, absolutely. and then
1: as uh, I guess as my last time on this podcast uh, Adam and Chris I motion to close mm-hmm all in favor? Do we, do we have a second?
0: we have a second? I guess we need a second. Yeah. <laughs> do we have a second? I, I, I've been gone I, all I, of
1: four weeks, and I've forgotten parliamentary procedure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, I second the motion. <laughs> uh, the the motion to close has been properly moved and seconded. Brother Drew, you, you have the floor. All well, in favor? I. I. <laughs> Excellent.
1: Well, guys, thank you so much for
0: having me here. And I look
1: forward to uh, hanging up here and becoming an avid listener of the uh gavel podcast under your wise uh, stewardship so <laughs> all right
0: and 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 close Q uh gavel soundbite yeah. <laughs> see y'all later
2: who am i sir a fraternity man am i
0: a sigma a so sir and will be until i die i'm rickety hooty Doo what's the matter with sigma new halabaloo Terrica, who all together for
2: sigma new hey